Hi again, this is Daniel J. Hogan, and welcome to the Magic of Airy podcast, brought to you by magicofairy.com. Last time, our heroes met Alexander the Small, a duck with a ship who agreed to take them to Dragon's Well, the next step in Steve's search for the Sword of Zah. Alexander's ship, the Griffin, had no sails, but rather two large paddle wheels on either side. In the center of the ship, instead of the main mast, was a tall tree. When asked why he wore an iron pot on his head, Alexander answered with only pixie people. Stay updated on Twitter. You can follow me at Daniel J. Hogan, or you can follow at Mo Podcast. You can also become a fan of the podcast on Facebook. Just search for Magic of Airy. And now, the next fantastic episode of The Magic of Airy. The Magic of Airy, the podcast, written and produced by Daniel J. Hogan, based on the novel The Magic of Airy by Daniel J. Hogan. To learn more about the novel, please visit magicofairy.com or danieljhogan.com. And remember, Harry is spelled E-Y-R-I. Episode number 24, Flight of the Griffin. Excuse me? Asked Steve, nearly yelling in disbelief. Pixie people. Alexander explained, again. They don't like iron. Keeps them away, you know. Okay. Steve replied as he looked at the others, gladly noticing that they were wearing confused looks as well. And why do the pixie people bother you? Oh, they don't mean any harm. No, of course not. But they are a bit annoying, and it's best to just keep them away. Alexander said as he tapped on his iron headgear. And just where do the pixie people come from? Why, the pixie tree, of course. Alexander answered as he pointed to the large tree in the middle of the ship. Of course. Alexander the Small noticed the group's uneasiness. The duck adjusted his saucepan hat. You don't believe me. You think I'm crazy. What? No, 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 no. Well, I can't speak for everyone. Uncle Shameless grinned as he swayed to and fro on the deck. But I think maybe you've gone quack. Please don't. I guess I shall just have to show you what I mean, and then you can tell me where you need to go. Alexander turned around and yelled towards the cabin at the rear of the griffin. Julius, Hector, get on deck and bring extra headgear. Alexander's two-man crew burst out of the cabin in a blur of feathers and iron. The pair made their way to their captain and came to a quick halt, carrying iron pots and pans for the party to wear. As Alexander's crew handed out the iron headgear to the others, he made the introductions. Hector was a small, pudgy penguin with long, fin-like arms and fingers. Even though he was small, he was still taller than Alexander. He wore an iron colander on his head that covered up both his eyes, wore torn shorts not unlike Alexander's, and was first mate of the griffin. Next came Julius, the navigator. He was the tallest of the trio at just under six feet. He was a strong albatross who, like most of the bird people of Airy, had arms but no wings. Julius wore a flat iron frying pan tied on his head with several holes cut in it to allow feathers to stick out. Strings of beads hung from the tip of the pan's handle. 
Steve and the others donned their iron headgear and followed Alexander the Small to the large tree at the center of the ship. It all started many years ago, and the sea was angry that day, my friends. We were sailing towards the north when we saw a huge cloud of smoke coming from a secluded lagoon that was reachable from the coast. We entered the lagoon, and in it was a small forest filled with trees like the one you see here. And they were all on fire. We saw hundreds of pixie people flying around and around and around, around and around, around and around, around and around, around and around. Hector slapped Alexander upside the back of his head. So sorry. Anyway, it turns out the Hawk King decided to torch the forest, and those trees were the pixie people's homes. Why did he do that? Because it was there. That's reason enough for him. So, we took one of the skiffs to the shore, and a bunch of pixie people flew over to us and asked us to save them. We dug up the only tree that wasn't burning, and they've been with us ever since. Hector climbed the rope ladder up to the lookout post, which was nothing more than a barrel attached to a pole sticking out of the top of the pixie tree. That certainly was an honorable thing to do, but now tell us, why doesn't your ship have any sails? Not just yet. First, tell me, where is it you want to go? Drag. But before that, tell me why you have a hunter with you. Zeroth snapped to attention, surprised by the little duck's question. I spotted your pendant, explained Alexander, pointing to Zeroth's black three-ringed hunter's pendant. Zeroth cursed at himself for not hiding it sooner. It's okay. He's helping us. I bet. For how much? Nothing. Oh, really? And why is that? It was a friend's dying wish, Zeroth answered as he tightened his yellow scarf. Alexander the Small narrowed his eyes at zero, so much that they were barely open. There was an eerie, awkward silence that lasted for several moments. Okay then, fine by me. Alexander exclaimed happily, his eyes opening to their fullest. Now, where is it you want to go? Some place called... Captain. Hector yelled from the lookout barrel on top of the pixie tree. What is it? Pyrex. You are listening to the Magic of Airy podcast, a free audiobook podcast by Daniel J. Hogan, available at magicofairy.com and through the iTunes music store. Unala held on tightly to the chains controlling the fiery Pyrex as they pulled the chariot through the air. Not that it mattered. The giant flaming skeletal birds flew wherever they wanted, making the ride rather bumpy. Unala never understood how Fiacra could get the beast to fly straight when he rode his chariot. Unala was not having any luck keeping the Pyrex under control. They had a habit of doing random high climbs into the air, only to swoop down in spiral patterns minutes later. Still, Unala thought to himself, it was nice to be in the sky once again. Kaz the Swanton gripped the edge of the chariot with his large, clawed hands. Since his ancestors had bred out wings many generations ago, he was not used to flying like his hawking companions were. Now I know why we decided to get rid of our wings. 
Don't be such a hatchling, Remit, Kaz's fellow gate guard, scolded. I'll admit these Pyrex aren't the best at pulling this chariot, but it is nice to relax and let them do the work. Ugh, can we turn back? I think I lost my stomach on that last dive. Unala would appreciate it if you would stop your complaining and start looking for this the boy person, the wingmaster commanded as Tall appeared beneath the flying chariot. Kaz sighed as he looked over the edge of the chariot and down at the streets of Tal below. There he is! Unala pulled the chains of the Pyrex, causing them to bank sharply in the air. As the chariot turned, the back end crashed into the top of a building, showering the streets with rubble. Where is he? Unala does not see him. Over there! Unala turned the chariot again, and one of the Pyrex flew through a roof, setting it ablaze, and emerged unharmed on the other side. Where? Unala still does not see him. Kaz pointed. Isn't that him? That's not him. It doesn't even look like him. What's he look like again? A small human. Yeah, that's not him. That's a duck. The crowd below watched in horror as the flying chariot made a crash landing after Remit lunged for Kaz's neck, causing the chariot to flip over in mid-air. I don't think they know you are here, Hector the Penguin said as he descended the lookout barrel's rope ladder. It appeared that the chariot was just scouting around, but you can bet that everyone in town will know who they are looking for now that they've landed. They landed? Crashed is more like it. I do not know who was steering the chariot, but it was swaying around like a ship lost in a storm. Alexander turned to look at Steve and the rest of the group. Grab a hold of something. We're taking off. Alexander ran as fast as his little duck legs would let him up to the helm of the griffin. Julius the albatross joined him and grabbed a hold of the steering wheel. Hector the penguin stood next to a panel for levers, switches, and bells. Hoist anchor. Alexander ordered from behind his crew. The captain made his way up a raised section of the helm's deck which looked like a short set of stairs that went nowhere, until he was eye-level with his tall navigator. Hector pulled a lever. Gears started churning at the bow of the ship. A heavy chain began winding up and making loud clunk-clunk sounds as it pulled up the ship's anchor. However, once the anchor broke the surface of the water, Steve realized it was not a regular anchor. Um, why is the anchor a stove? Long story. Sound the bell. Hector the penguin reached up and rang a large bell several times. Loud clangs rang over and over. There was silence as the ship rocked gently in the water. Should something be happening? Quiet you. Look. Alexander pointed to the pixie tree. Yeah, it's really lovely. Alexander shook his head and pointed again. A moment later, hundreds of pinhead-sized lights started flying out of the tree in giant swarms. Hector rang the bell once more, and the giant swarm of pixie people broke up into two smaller groups. Each group flew down one of the two hatches on either side of the deck next to the paddle wheels. Full speed ahead. Hector pulled two levers to a notch that said, Full speed ahead. The griffin lurched as the two paddle wheels started turning in the water. The paddle wheels built up more and more speed until the ship was cutting through the water effortlessly, leaving the docks of Tall in the distance. Amazed by the ship's mode of transportation, Zeroth's jaw dropped. How? Take us a safe distance out, Julius. I'm going to take our passengers below. The albatross nodded underneath his iron frying pan hat and continued steering the griffin out into the open Ralk Sea. 
Alexander the Small led the group down a creaky ladder into the hull of the ship. They came to a wooden door, behind which they could hear the rowdy churning of the paddle wheels. Just make sure to keep your hats on. Alexander opened the door and everyone was blinded for a moment by two bright swirls of light. The group walked in, shielding their eyes with their hands. Alexander pointed to one of the bright swirls. It reminded Steve of a spinning fireworks display. You see, I have the pixie people fly down here and they turn these cranks. Alexander pointed to the large cranks on either side of the ship that the pixie people were turning with blazing speed. And the cranks turn the paddle wheels. The cranks were attached to a series of gears that were connected to the axles of the paddle wheels. Don't they get tired? No, not really, but they take shifts. And there's enough of them that each pixie only has to do it once a day. They don't mind either. It's their way of saying thanks. Well, ain't that something, Uncle Shameless said as he walked around looking at the spinning cranks, gears, and pixie people. Alexander continued describing his propulsion system. And they can go much faster. They aren't even working up a sweat right now. This reminds me of the time when I was at a speedboat race. You see... Ow! Uncle Shameless yelped as he banged his head against a low-hanging beam. The force of the hit knocked the iron pot off Uncle Shameless's head. Oh no, put that back on, quick! Huh? Uncle Shameless asked as he rubbed his head and tried to make the room stop spinning. Without warning, the ship lurched sharply to the one side as all of the pixie people from the right side of Crank flew over to Uncle Shameless. Everyone was knocked to the floor by the force of the quick turn. Pixies on the left Crank kept working, unaware of what was going on. Uncle Shameless was soon surrounded by pixie people. Pinhead-sized balls of light floated around him. Hi. Um... Hello. Hey. Hello. Hi. 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 Julius's voice came crawling through a talk tube. What's going on down there? We'd be going in circles if I didn't have Hector helping me keep this wheel straight. Alexander ran to the talk tube and yelled into it. I'll stop. We've lost our helmet. Julius cursed loudly on the other end of the talk tube as Alexander went looking for Uncle Shameless's iron headgear. Uncle Shameless was now totally surrounded by the floating pixie people, who kept saying hi to him over and over again. He was doing his best to return each of the highs, but was quickly running out of breath. On the bridge, Hector and Julius let go of the Griffin's steering wheel. The ship started going in a circle as Hector ran over to ring the bell to disengage the paddle wheels. In the belly of the Griffin, the paddle wheels' gears came to a dead stop at the sound of the bell. However, now that they were free of their duties, the pixie people from the other paddle wheels started to join their friends. Uncle Shameless was about to black out from having to say so many hellos when Alexander jumped towards him with his missing iron headgear. The little green duck slammed the cooking pot on Uncle Shameless's head with expert aim. <laughs> Instantly, the pixie people began to recoil away from the man and his iron hat. The brilliant swarm split in half and each section retreated through the hatches in the roof of the crank room and headed for the safety of the pixie tree. That was a close one. Alexander escorted everyone to the ship's mess hall and advised them to stay there until they were further out into the rock sea and safely away from Tal and the Pyrex. Hector's ringing of the bells once more was shortly followed by the sound of churning water as the pixie people got back to work propelling the ship. Uncle Shameless lay collapsed in a makeshift hammock made from a now useless section of sail and was still recovering from his experience with the pixie people. He would drift off to sleep, waking up occasionally to yell, Hello! Steve, 
Zeroth, and Era all found seats for themselves made out of recycled boat parts and enjoyed the surprisingly smooth ride. After dark, Steve heard the paddle wheels come to a stop. Alexander and his crew joined their guests in the mess hall, finally taking the time to relax. Now, where is it you want to go? Alexander asked from his seat, an overstuffed chair covered in an ugly mix of yellow, brown, and green beads. Dragon's well. Whatever that is. You are in luck. I know exactly where that is. It's to the north, isn't it? asked Julius, who was leaning back in a rickety chair made of old oars. No, that's Dragon's Grotto. Is that not the place with the shrieking wind? Hector asked from a lumpy beanbag cushion, also covered in an appalling arrangement of colored beads. I think that's Dragon Mine. I know where Dragon's Well is. It is just northwest. I thought that was Dragon's Cove. Don't you mean cave? No. Cove, you know, like a lagoon. It has this really nice... Quiet! Alexander yelled as he banged his little fist on the table, startling Uncle Shameless awake, and causing him to yell, Hello. What's with all these dragon names? Are there really dragons at all these places? Asked Steve, whose head was beginning to hurt from the absurdity of the conversation. They're just names, like Forbidden Forest. Yes, nothing at all to worry about. This concludes today's episode of The Magic of Airy. Make sure to join us again next time. Does Alexander actually know where Dragon's Whale is? Will Unala and the Pyrex catch up with the Griffin? What other dangers await our heroes in the open sea? Find out in the next fantastic episode of The Magic of Airy. Production date of this episode was April 21st, 2010. Help support this free podcast by using the PayPal donate button on the website. Make sure to follow Daniel J. Hogan on Twitter at Daniel J. Hogan. And also follow the Magic of Airy podcast at MOE Podcast. The Magic of Airy, the podcast, written and produced by Daniel J. Hogan. This podcast was produced in GarageBand and Audacity on a Mac. Some sound effects and music are provided by freesound.org. Other sound effects and music provided by GarageBand. For more information or to buy a copy of the original novel, please visit magicofairy.com or danieljhogan.com. And remember, Aerie is spelled E-Y-R-I. And as always, thanks for listening.